God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, um, Nancy Pelosi made it out of Taiwan. So uh, a lot of bluster from China. Um, but uh, she made it over there and she made it back. Or she's left the building and on her way to the next stop. You know, you have to wonder, though, why it is that she actually went there in the first place. Why was it so important for her to go now? I think it was a distraction. I think it was, uh, I I think that a lot of this that's going on with Taiwan, uh, from both sides, from China, China, the Chinese side, and and from the uh, American side, is just a lot of symbolism and bluster. And... Uh, saber rattling and a whole host of things like that, but it gets nothing done. And if you were to compare that to, say, uh, Donald Trump, when he dealt with China, he dealt with China with a pen and a contract, you know, with phase one and phase two and making, forging ahead and pushing forward deals that make sense for America for a change. And if you take a look at what was going on over in Asia under the Trump years, and hopefully we're going to get more of those years coming soon, but with North Korea and Kim Jong-un, and and what, what happened there was he went over there, and it wasn't just a symbolic gesture of, of walking into North Korea across the gravel uh, lane and shaking hands with Kim Jong-un. It was actually sitting down and signing a pact or a treaty or or a promise that Kim Jong-un may or may not have violated to a certain degree, but for a long time, he wasn't testing those missiles and progress was made. 
that, that there was something more about the meeting than just symbol, symbolic gesture. And I think that's what's so important about leadership is let's not waste people's time and let's not waste people's tax dollars because the cost associated with Nancy Pelosi's trip was rather expensive. And I think it was a waste of money. This type of gesture could have been done uh, with a little bit more of a clarity. That There's so much ambiguity with respect to Taiwan. We talked about it yesterday, and boy, I'm glad I did, because we were ahead of the curve on that a little bit. And that was, you know, I was watching Tucker yesterday, and you know, he basically uh, was covering everything that we covered yesterday morning. But also, even on Fox and Friends today with uh, Joey Jones, um, basically talking about how ambiguous this one China-Taiwan policy is. And so I'm really glad we actually took some time yesterday and outlined the history of Taiwan and you know, it was a rather boring little documentary about the history of it and where we are. And, you know, even Taiwan doesn't even know their future. And there's a lot of little things. And then we talked about, you know, Doug, uh, we, we listened to Doug McGregor talk about the strategies involved. I actually have one clip I'm going to play that I wanted to play yesterday that I'm going to play today. And this came out on Sunday on Maria Bartiroma. And it was with uh, John Ratcliffe talking about the Taiwanese policy and and uh, foreign policy with China. And so we have a good amount of clips today that we're going to play. And um, this is the one that uh, we're going to go ahead and play now. And this is just in the wake of um, in the wake of Nancy Pelosi's trip, where she went over there. I actually thought she gave. This is going to be the maybe the one time you ever hear me say anything nice about Nancy Pelosi, but I actually thought she gave a good good account of herself, um, <laughs> because she usually doesn't. And uh, I and and you know, in light of the fact that I think that um, the Biden administration and Nancy Pelosi are sort of at odds with each other, that the Pentagon and the Biden administration didn't want this trip to happen and Nancy Pelosi felt that it should happen. Uh, there seems to be a little bit of a fissure there, a little divide within the Democrat party itself on this particular issue. And I actually have to say that, you know, when she made the announcement, uh, when they started to make this big announcement, I, I really think a, a meeting like this and a trip like this should have been, it should have been a trip that, uh, was a little bit more secretive. Let's not make more out of it than it really is. Um, but it's the first time in 25 years, Newt Gingrich was the last time we ever saw a ranking politician uh, step foot in Taiwan. It's 25 years ago. So it's, it's actually kind of a big deal. And once the cat was out of the bag and China said what they said, of course... We had to we had to go then. We can't be pushed around by China. The optics would be horrible. So 
I think it was a really missed opportunity for the Biden administration to actually look strong. It also took away from the story of Al-Awari, the Al-Qaeda guy that was uh, killed by a couple of drone strikes in uh, Afghanistan. So, you know, uh, that, that didn't even get coverage because of this Taiwan thing. And now, you know, also looking at the uh, spending bill, the inflation bill, they call it the inflation reduction bill, but it's really the inflation increase bill. Um, I think that's starting to see some trouble. So we'll see what happens there and what cinema does regarding that bill. Um, we're going to talk a lot today about Mayorkas. And we're also going to, after this clip with John Ratcliffe, we're going to get into uh, the election last night because Trump had a big night. I think Kerry, Kerry Lake is going to pull it out. It's a it's close race. They're still counting because they're learning how to count in Arizona, it seems like. And Eric Schmidt in Missouri took the primary seat. Um, Tudor Dixon in Michigan for governor uh, is a rock star. I think she's got, I think she's super great. And she's looking great. I think she's going to take Whitmer. But she won the primary seat. She was backed by Trump. Eric Schmidt uh, from Missouri beat Eric Greitens. Uh, Trump liked both of them, but Eric Schmidt won. Carrie Lake um, from Arizona is in a very close race, but uh, and they haven't called that one yet. But it's looking like she's going to continue with her lead. But there's some funny business going on in some counties in Arizona where they ran out of ballots in the first hour, and that was a stronghold for Kerry Lake, and some other things were happening there. But there's a really interesting race that people aren't talking about, and that's District 3 in Michigan. Uh, This guy, Peter Meyer, a Republican, voted to impeach Donald Trump, Republican congressman, and he got lamb-blasted. And a guy named John Gibbs is now going to be taking over that seat. So say what you want, man, but I'm telling you this right now. It's looking great for uh, Donald Trump. It's looking great for uh, the fact that if we get Donald Trump for four more years, he's going to have, he's not going to have to deal with Paul Ryan and a whole bunch of other rhinos, you know, Liz Cheney or or Adam Kinzinger, or, you know, a lot of these figures. And Mitt Romney's never going to win another election, ever. So we'll be done with him in a matter of years. So um, it's looking really good for the Republican Party, who is becoming more and more unified and winning the hearts and minds of minority voters, both black and Hispanic. And uh, I think soon it's gonna we're going to win over even even some other groups as well. The Republican Party is looking strong. And we take back the House and Senate in 2022, and then we take back the the White House in 2024 with Trump for four years, DeSantis for another four, and then another four. That's going to put it all the way up to 2038 with Republican leadership, Republican Supreme Court, conservative Supreme Court, and... Uh, border security, strong military, 
and anti-globalist positions uh, that are going to spell the death of people like Klaus Schwab, uh, Ruta in the Netherlands, we're going to cover some of this, and uh, people like Justin Trudeau, who are going to be left out of their offices. Macron uh, has already lost his power, and uh, you're, we're going to see a pushback, and we're going to see the globalists fail. And nothing would make me happier than to see the globalists fail because they are the Hitler of our time. They are the evil people of our day, the globalists. Make no mistake about that. And I mean that with all sincerity. So let's take a listen to uh, uh, John Ratcliffe uh, talking about this Taiwanese thing. I know it's sort of like past news already. It's like old news already. But it's worth a listen. All right, let's take a listen. Well, I'll get I'll get that I'll get the sound right. National security, uh, so that the American people see that the Chinese Communist Party is not the one dictating American foreign policy; that it is uh, the American government doing that. But the the Biden administration. Um, uh, publicly talking about it ahead of time and then not backing up Nancy Pelosi uh, with the media or on the call with President Xi Jinping. I mean, I, I think we've come to expect that uh, President Biden, uh, you know, his weakness comes through. We didn't have high expectations for that call, but very clearly he did not back up the speaker's uh, right to go to Taiwan. And as a result, uh, President Xi is acting on that weakness. Maria, you know, one of the things that's very concerning here, uh, listen to, to Secretary Pompeo and his remarks regarding Taiwan um, are, are really spot on is, as you know, there's open uh, source reporting about our intelligence community being concerned that uh, China may move to uh, invade Taiwan in the next 18 months. Uh, we have long known in the intelligence community that if the, uh, if the Chinese weren't able to, uh, the Chinese government was not able to reunite Taiwan politically, that they would do so militarily. But it's always been nebulous and indefinite in a timetable. And we now know uh, from our own intelligence reporting and, and from, um, from our allies in the Indo-Pacific, that President Xi is talking about a timetable of moving on Taiwan in the next 18 months. And I don't think that's any, uh, that's not a coincidence that that happens to be the timetable during which uh, Joe Biden will continue to be the American president. Um, he has, as Secretary Pompeo said, you know, we had this debacle in Afghanistan, you know, the Biden administration lost and surrendered to, to the Taliban. Uh, they did not deter Vladimir Putin in Ukraine. And now we've got this unprecedented circumstance of China uh, literally um, uh, talking about an invasion of Taiwan uh, through our intelligence community sources. Any, in, any one of these individuals would have been, uh, in individual events would have been um, historic and noteworthy. The fact that all three of these things are happening uh, during the Biden administration really speaks to what a disaster uh, he has been as a foreign policy president.
Yeah. And, 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 you know, when you look at his policy, he keeps being soft on China. We just spoke with Miranda Devine, who broke so much news on all the money that the Biden family has taken in, uh, reportedly uh, more than $30 million from different deals. Then he fails to demand COVID origins investigation. He had a two-hour phone call with Xi Jinping. We have no evidence that he brought up the COVID-19 origins. We have no evidence that he confronted him on the fentanyl trafficking. He canceled the China initiative, so there's no more investigating all the property theft. Uh, he He's considering lifting tariffs. Uh, he sent to China oil from America's strategic reserve. He's pushing electric vehicles and solar panels and batteries, and they're made in China. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. And then, and then they start talking openly about a trip to Taiwan, forcing the Pentagon to get involved. So on a practical basis, what does the Pentagon need to do now? Because they're all, China's already <clears throat> warning that they'll respond. Well, absolutely. So the, the, the Pentagon now, in response to the mismanaged uh, Pelosi travel plans, the Pentagon has to be prepared. They have to move either carriers or fighters into place in the event that the Chinese would follow through on some of the uh, some of the rhetoric that's been out there about confronting a, a Pelosi-led, you know, congressional delegation plane. You know, all of this unnecessary. To your point, you know. Um, there, there have always been questions about President uh, Biden's weakness mentally, physically. Those those issues continue to come up. But the concern also is, as you have pointed out, <clears throat> Maria, is um, he has advisors that are soft on China, domestic and foreign policy advisors that, you know, <clears throat> have worked for BlackRock and and uh, and have been engaged with the Chinese Communist Party on multiple levels. His policies have been soft across the board. And then the issues about yeah. Hunter Biden and, and, and the role that uh, uh, that has played and whether or not there's a financial element to, to, to the Biden family that has affected uh, a weak uh, China policy. We just know that it's likely to continue. And as we've talked about, that's, that's why there is such a danger to our national security posture with Joe Biden as president right now, particularly as it comes very, to the Chinese Communist Party our number one threat. Very dangerous. And, and, and not only that, but there's $14 million in, in armament that Taiwan has already paid for, and we haven't sent that equipment. Uh, they, they, they are owed that equipment, but I, I, we've got to wait for that for another time. I've got to get your thoughts on the FBI. What is going on with the FBI continuing to play politics? Your thoughts on now this new report that whistleblowers uh, within the DOJ and FBI are saying that there was a scheme at the DOJ and the FBI to suppress all the information on Hunter Biden. We've been through this umpteen times around the Russia hoax. What can you tell us about the FBI right now? Yeah, this is sounding uh, all too familiar to your viewers, Maria, a scheme at the, at the FBI and the Department of Justice uh, to, to influence uh, uh, political candidates or campaigns. We saw that with Page, Strzok, Comey, McCabe, Bruce Orr. Um, but at that time, Jim Comey was the FBI director and was uh, complicit with regard to those efforts. The hope was that Chris Ray at the FBI would move away from the politicization at the at the FBI. Uh, but this this whistleblower complaint um, very clearly on his watch. Uh, the names have changed, but the allegations are the same, that these FBI agents um, were attempting to influence the outcome of the uh, 2020 election uh, by suppressing derogatory information about Hunter Biden and potentially Joe Biden. And Maria, here's what's important about this for your viewers to understand, is this is more than just about a two-tiered system of justice, about FBI agents being able to lie and get away with it when the American people don't. People need to understand that when we talk about our intelligence authorities, 
It is the FBI that is the primary domestic authority for investigating and leading to the prosecution of, of election influence and election interference. It's really a problem when the agency that is that is responsible for investigating those things is engaged in those things. And so I, I heard the conversation about, you know, a hearing on Capitol Hill is I would expect Republicans to be focusing with with Director Ray on whether or not, you know, his FBI uh, agents were engaged in election influence and election interference, you know, at a time where he was publicly backing me and uh, Attorney General Barr. You remember, as you pointed out, you played that clip where I very clearly came out and said, look, Adam Schiff is making this information up. Um, there is no Russian disinformation involved here. It is the Hunter Biden's laptop and, and the investigation is real. And that has proven to be true. Christopher Ray backed that up with a public statement along with, with, with the FBI director, uh, I mean, with the Attorney General. But now we're finding out that there were FBI agents that were doing exactly the opposite and saying exactly the opposite and suppressing that uh, that intelligence. Uh, I would expect that to be uh, the subject of much discussion on Capitol Hill this week. So, you know, there it is. But uh, there's also an element that's even, I think, more problematic. And that is <clears throat> the integration with the Mockingbird media, the Mockingbird press. Um and and then the use utilization of big tech censoring americans so that when the intelligence community says this is f- fake news this is false this they're acting like a truth czar they're like a ministry of truth and these these uh big tech companies like facebook um or twitter who are banning people left and right, all conservatives, by the way. Ne- never do they ban, you know, it seems like uh, that I know of, never do they ban liberals. But they ban, you know, conservatives for just about, like, nothing. You know, like, I'll post a meme, and it's just supposed to be funny, and they block it out, you know. And they, they basically block it out and they say it's been doctored. It's been, this has been edited, this image. Yeah, of course it's been. It's called comedy. It's called humor. Sarcasm. You make a point, you know. Saturday Night Live can do it all day long, but, but uh, conservatives can't. You know, conservatives can't tell jokes. You know, you take a look at uh, Dave Chappelle or something like that. You know, he's silenced. Ricky Gervais is silenced, you know, he'll never be invited back to the Oscars or whatever. But, the, you know, the point is, is that the intelligence community, you know, when they do a fact check and say, well, 51 intelligence officers or 17 intelligence agencies, agencies said that the Russian hoax was real. Well, they were wrong. History proves that, but it's already too late. You know, the damage has been done. Somebody ought to get sued for this. You know, there ought to be, there needs to be some accountability. You can't just get away with murder, left and right. And by murder, I I truly mean people are getting slaughtered. Their lives are being ruined as a result of this. This is, this is a, and so, you know, they want me to support Ukraine Put a flag up on my little pendant, you know, little yellow and blue flag. 
They want me to um, support Zelensky along with Bono and Five for Fighting and have these little concerts and applaud and clap like a monkey? No. You know, Putin has every right to fight against these monster globalists. They're monsters. They're evil. They're as bad as any terrorist group on the planet. But they have their nice ties and their red carpet and they're polished, and they have they control the world's money, they control the world's narrative, they control, and they do it through a cor- systematic corporate conglomerate. It's the world's greatest monopoly. They're unelected officials that are controlling every aspect of our lives, and they want more control, and they're going to get it through these digital systems. And they've figured it out. And while they're putting pen to paper, writing out a blueprint on how to succeed with their money, investing in their technology to control every aspect of our lives, we're sitting there going to work, oblivious to the schemes. They're going on and say Davos at the World Economic Forum in the halls of BlackRock and all the things that they're doing that aren't making the news individually because they have every right to buy land, I guess. I don't know that China should, but but they're impacting our property values. They're confiscating our farmlands. They're setting fertilizer plants on fire. They're, I, I believe they're even controlling the weather because under the Trump years, we had more hurricanes than I could shake a stick at. And yet, under the Biden regime, there seems to be weather patterns that are much, much more friendly than... than uh, it seemed like Trump was going out every other month to, a, uh, to Puerto Rico or to some place where there, and then there was that hurricane that even was going right toward Mar-a-Lago and then took a hard right. Like, okay, that's a bridge too far. You're not going to knock out Mar-a-Lago. Right? So I don't know. I just, you know, there seems to be a lot of stuff going on. They already said that China's able to impact these things. Um, you know, and you talk about the, you talk about the uh, Biden corruption. Here's a, you know, here's just a little bit more of this. Let's take a listen. Continue to get worse, and they're going to have to do something about it. Now, I don't know if they'll go so far as to enact the 25th Amendment or to uh, talk him into resigning based on this cognitive issue and admit that they were wrong about that. But there are other ways that they could get rid of him, and I see them looking the other way while some of this, this, is uh, Ronnie some Jackson of this Hunter Biden Texas. stuff blows up, and maybe just letting him fall on his sword like that. I think that they will look for opportunity to throw him under the bus in the next few years and try to, or in the next few months, and try to get rid of him because I know that I think that they also know he cannot make it to the end of this term in. 2024. Well, that was former White House physician and Congressman Ronnie Jackson on the program earlier this month, questioning Joe Biden's ability to lead amidst talk on both sides of the aisle about who will be the Democrat nominee in 2024, despite Joe insisting that he plans to run for reelection. 
This is the president's approval rating hit a new low this week of 38 percent. Joining me right now on whether Biden will be on the ballot in 2024, let alone finish this first term, is Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk. He's out with a new book, The College Scam. Has uh, done what they 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 brought him in to do, and that was to fool American voters into thinking that he was a moderate, that he would unify the country, that he was honest Joe. And uh, I think the opinion polls show you that the, uh, the American people have been red pilled. They now see who Joe Biden really is, and there's no coming back from that. So I think probably they'll use long COVID or some health reason uh, to bundle him off if they do decide to do that. Um, I don't think that they will use the Hunter Biden uh, embarrassment that is going to come down the pike uh, next year. But uh, Joe Biden certainly won't want to give that any credence. Um, so whether yeah. or not they use Joe Biden's sort of feebleness uh, to, to morally blackmail the Republicans into not pressing hard on his family's corruption is another issue. That was really the takeaway for that. That was the clip that I wanted to uh, use. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's I think it's interesting. Um, let's just take a listen to what Charlie Kirk had to say about all that. Pete Buttigieg is leading the pack. Joe Biden comes in at number two. Kamala uh, Harris is at number seven. Your thoughts on his own party setting the stage for mm -hmm. a different candidate? Yeah, there's so much to take away from that poll, though. Sitting vice president is number seven in a New Hampshire poll and the head of transportation is number one. Anyway, um, yes. Yeah, that was the part that was the part I wanted you to hear. It's it's quite uh, unprecedented, to say the least. Everybody wanted Trump on the right. Everybody wanted Trump. No, nobody ran against Trump. And of course, you're, I think you're going to see uh, Gavin Newsom come out of the woodwork. He's got the Getty connections. He's got the Pelosi connections. Uh, the you know the whole criminal crime uh, connections that they have going on in California, and the people that kiss their ring, like Maxine Waters and people like that. Um, but the Pelosi's wield a lot of power. They raise a lot of money, and everybody knows it. Now the thing is about the globalists and the you know, elite, the way they seize power, the way they get power is they cheat. They cheat and they lie. And we've been seeing a lot of lies, whether it's COVID, whether it's climate. I have a couple of clips that I'm going to have to edit a little bit because um, uh, they're, they're too long. But I wanted you to hear this new study about COVID and the Pfizer vaccine and how it actually can control and manipulate your DNA. Then we're going to get into this uh, clip for climate, and we're going to tie it all together. All right, that's that's my hope. That's what my my goal is for today. All right, so let's uh, take a listen to this guy. This guy is a scientist. He's a doctor, and he uh, is going over this Swedish study. And then eventually we want to get the Majorcas as well. So there's a lot that we want to cover today. So let's take a listen. So there is a Swedish study that shows that the spike protein RNA from Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine in vitro goes into the liver cells and is converted into DNA in their nucleus. And it also increases the expression of the reverse transcriptase line 1 which is an enzyme in all of our cells, mostly present in the dividing cells, 
and that enzyme is the one that helps to convert the RNA of the protein, the vaccine, spike protein vaccine RNA, into the DNA, and that DNA is found in the nucleus in vitro. So let's look at the study. It is a Swedish pub accepted and published study. So it's not a preprint. It is not something that is still waiting for review. It is reviewed and published. Let's look at that. The discussion that I'm going to do is in two parts. In the first part, I would give you a summary, just one page summary. In the second part, I will discuss a high level overview of what they found. The third part today is missing, and that is the detailed discussion of exactly how this was done. If you would love to see that, just let me know in the comments and I can do that. So here's the This summary. is the link to the study. My homework always shows because of my highlights. So this is the MDPI, intracellular reverse transcription of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine, BioNTech BNT162. B2 in vitro in human liver cell line. And this is uh, researchers are from the Lund University, Sweden. And if you see here, 18 January is when they were revised. Re they revised this paper. 19 February 2022 is when it was accepted. 23 February was, uh, I think, accepted and then published on 25th February. That is today. It is hot off the press. So this is the discussion. Let me now very quickly. Of course, that's not today. Go over this with you. Oh. Let's it should not happen. Or as a lipid nanoparticle, when that nanoparticle is given in vitro to liver cells, the RNA of the vaccine is converted into DNA, which really should not happen or is not expected to happen. It's converted into the DNA and that DNA is found in the liver cells nucleus, again, in vitro. This happens within six hours. It is rapidly done. And then this um, vaccine, lip, lipid nanoparticles, they proved for the first time that the vaccine can easily enter the liver cells within six hours. Then when it goes into the liver cell, it increases the expression of a protein called line one. And I would explain it. But imagine line one is a protein's name whose job is to make DNA from RNA. So presence of the vaccine itself somehow triggers in the cell, especially dividing cells, it triggers in them the production of line 1. Line 1 is a normal protein in our cells, but vaccine increases the production of that protein. The increased production of line 1 in turn converts the vaccine's RNA to DNA. And that DNA is present in the nucleus. This is the first time ever that they have shown in vitro that this can happen. The other thing that they found was these liver cells also expressed the spike proteins on their surface or the pieces of spike protein on their surface. This is expected. Any cell that would pick up the spike protein would express it or that would pick up the vaccine would express it. They talked about it in a different way. What they said was this expression of the spike protein on the liver cell will make these liver cell a target of the immune system and can cause autoimmune hepatitis. So this is the observations. 
I would explain them later, but this is the summary right now. Concerns. What are the author's concerns? Their concerns are if the spike protein, if the spike RNA of the vaccine goes into the DNA or our nucleus, becomes DNA, it can cause genomic toxicity over there. Just like when we get the virus in our body, we are in a pathological state. Similarly, when the extra DNA, abnormal DNA is found in the nucleus, that can be damaging to the remaining parts of the nucleus. So it could be genomically toxic, which in turn could become carcinogenic. They did not say that it can cause cancers. They simply said that because of the genomic toxicity, there is a possibility of carcinogenesis or or cancer production, and more researches should be done. Then they said... Now, he's a little bit of a slow talker, so we're going to speed it up and just basically say uh, it also um, can cause autoimmune diseases. Um, There's uh, several of those. Uh, Rheumatoid arthritis would be one. But uh, in any case, um, the takeaway... To this, and I'm, I apologize, this was not delivered in the way that I was hoping it would come across. Um, but it d- did make the, uh, we did eventually make the point that I wanted to make by listening to the, him and having him discuss how this RNA vaccine can enter the liver, uh, becomes a, a spike protein that morphs into a, uh, into a uh, DNA into your DNA. It can change your DNA. And the DNA is everything that makes who, who you are a person. You know, I mean, the DNA is, is essential. It's, it's what makes, makes you unique, your, your unique bio footprint. Um, and uh, by this transformation or this uh, occurrence, there's genomic toxicity that could cause cancers and autoimmune diseases. And they're forcing this upon the world. And the people that are forcing this upon the world are the people that have been on the microphone to talk about the decrease in population. Remember the Indian guy that we played? uh, He was outside of the World Economic Forum. He says, they want more souls. I want less. I want fewer souls. Like, who is... Who gave him the power to decide population size? Boris Johnson's father, we played his clip where he says the island of England, you know, the United Kingdom uh, can't support 75 million people. Uh, that it, He would like to see that number be 10 to 15 million, uh, million people. And then we, you know, heard Bill Gates over and over again talk about how the world's population is projected to be around 9 billion. He'd like to see that number around 6.5 billion. And the way they get there is new vaccines, reproductive services like abortions, which he, his family was big into Planned Parenthood. And Margaret Sanger, we know, was the founder of Planned Parenthood, and she was into eugenics. And here's the other problem I have with it, too, is... Um, there was a, a tweet that I tweeted out about how they're in the Netherlands going to be culling, they call it culled, basically ciphering out and weeding out cows. Uh, the healthiest cows can live 
and the 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 deadly the weakest cows would die. They're going to be exterminating much of the cattle in the Netherlands. <laughs> and you think about that, and you think, well, what did COVID do? What was COVID? And it was this where I had to look up the word cold. I di- I didn't know. I never saw it used in that way. C U L L E D, cold. It's basically like cherry picking. Like if you were to pick um, bad apples out of a bushel of apples, right? And you take out all the bad ones and you keep all the good ones. That's what they want to do with the cattle in the Netherlands. But isn't that? Ask yourself, isn't that what the death panel is for? for uh, the Bill Gates was supporting is all about. Isn't that what social me- socialized medicine is all about? Death panel, pick and choose how much investment you're going to make in a person's life? Or or isn't that what Margaret Sanger was all about? Uh, You know, aborting all the minority babies? You know, culling? Picking and choosing winners and losers? And isn't that what it was all about? All of that stuff. Eugenics. Isn't that what Hitler was doing? Getting rid of one race over another? Picking winners and losers? Hey, let's not forget, isn't that what COVID was doing? COVID impacted the weakest in the world automatically, systematically. Boy, I bet you they thought they were smart. Hey, this thing does it automatically. It kills off the weak. The people that would actually be taxing our socialized medicine and putting a strain on the system, this COVID fixes that problem. In Italy, they had an elderly population that's gone now. Thanks to what? COVID? It gets rid of the weak and it keeps the strong. Only the strong survive. And guess what? The strong doesn't need to go to the doctor all the time. It's the weak that need to. The elderly, the ones that are consuming all that those tax dollars and social security systems and things that they've already been entitled to because they paid into it. They're being robbed thanks to COVID because COVID impacted the elderly. It like a, like a machine that just like a, like a, 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 um, culiner, you know, that just basically filtered out the weak, like a strainer. In a kitchen. And that's that word, culling, culled, C-U-L-L-E-D. They're doing it with cattle right now in the Netherlands. It's so concerning. It's so frustrating. It's it's absolutely uh, terrifying. Now, I want to, um, well, I'm going to go ahead and, play this uh well we have a Mayorkas uh whole set that we want to get to but I wanna I wanna just play this one clip really well this is too long actually it's too long. It's not it's not really where I want to take the show. Um if we had more time I would okay. So there is a there is a um there's this fear. This is, seems to be odd. This uh this is a, a quick clip. We're gonna play a fraction of it. This is about climate and the alarming aspect of it, the way the media is telling a narrative, I think is, is a bit scary. In France, officials say the country is experiencing an apocalypse of heat. 
A fire in France destroying nearly 80 square miles of forest and temperatures are expected to rise in the coming days. For a seventh blistering day, the fires in southwest France continue to rage, forcing the evacuation of thousands of people living and visiting this popular tourist region. We're living through an exceptional season of harshness, said President Emmanuel Macron. Over wildfires that have burned an area bigger than 20,000 football fields. 14,000 people have been evacuated so far. As triple-digit temperatures are being felt around the world, more than one-third of the U.S. is under... The U.S. is the latest country to swelter with high temperatures. Wildfires, you'll remember, are still raging in Europe in countries like Spain, Italy. See, the numbers themselves are not that dramatically different and in a couple of situations where they were overwhelmingly alarming the population the news media uh they did a snapshot of uh you know in 2017 every city was hotter than it was that that on the same day as it was when they were dramatizing the climate what has changed is that the news media, the narrative uh, that's coming out of the news media, that's, that's brokered and paid for by companies like BlackRock and all the corporations that BlackRock owns and dictates terms to. If you want our investments, if you want investment dollars, BlackRock says, uh, you, will, you, will do, you will abide by these set of rules. You will engage in these climate initiatives and, and these, uh, you will embrace um, COVID and you'll embrace all these things because the bigger picture is about controlling the world's population, about getting a digital credit score system and things like that. So, yeah. All right. So I, wanna, I wanted to play, I want to switch. Uh, there was this one clip. It gets into the social credit score systems and things like that. We'll play that tomorrow, I think. Um, but he, here, uh, check this out. So this is um, Chip Roy. And Chip Roy gives gives the business on uh, Mayorkas, who spoke this week on Capitol Hill. And one of the be- issues that I think a few of my colleagues have addressed uh, is... You know, one of the reasons why we're zeroing in on the specificity of this legislation is just, frankly, a fundamental lack of trust of the Department of Homeland Security, or frankly, any of our federal departments. I just don't trust the secretary. It's that simple. Uh, and I don't know why I would. The, the secretary of Homeland Security sat at that table, looked at me, in the face of a statute defining operational control and said to me and to this committee and all Americans watching that this administration has operational control of our border. And it's a flat lie. Even just today, St. Beto O'Rourke in Texas was out on the campaign trail and was asked that question. And he said... Yeah, I don't see how that could be the case. He was asked the question whether we have operational control of the border, whether it was secure. And St. Beto said he did not see how that could be the case based on all of the conversations he was having and all of his observations. How could that be? 
How does that fit with the narrative? I'll just tell you why I don't trust the secretary to do any of this, in addition to the fact that he lied to me, lied to America, lied to everyone on this committee. It's accusing Border Patrol agents of whipping human beings that was also a flat-out lie, not apologizing for it, and running a scam procedure to then give them some administrative punishment. Why would I trust that secretary? Why would I trust the secretary that, introduced, that, that puts out a memo saying it's not enough to be here illegally for ICE to then go remove them? Why would I trust the secretary that isn't detaining anybody at all but releasing them into the United States under parole and under notice to appear and not, in fact, doing any asylum proceedings? No, it is true. It is true. Speak to the people at the border where they've got the, the proceedings where they're literally running them into tent facilities and releasing people under notice to appear and parole, skipping right over doing any credible fear of asylum claims. They'll tell you that right at the border. They're not doing it. They're flat releasing them under parole and giving them notice to appear. Why would I trust a secretary or an administration or my colleagues that go down in white pantsuits and cry looking across bars all for effect? That was Ocasio-Cortez. All bogus. The entire story was made up. Why would I trust The party that gave you just uh, Jesse Smollett? <laughs> Why would I trust the secretary who now has the lowest ICE removal numbers in DHS history? Why, why would I trust that secretary? Why would I trust the secretary to use this discretion, even if it's for veterans, but I remind you, veteran criminals who've gone through due process and convicted of a crime... Why would I trust the secretary to make a good decision? It's simply just not possible for me to talk to the people on the border, talk to people involved at the Department of Homeland Security today, knowing precisely what this administration is doing purposefully, to use every possible tool in the book. And by the way, we're about to take up a bill to grant even more discretion to provide even more avenues for the secretary to say, you can be released into the United States. Literally. It's like, oh, oh it's not enough. Two million's not enough. 850,000 gotaways is not enough. Over 50 terrorist affiliates, not enough. Not enough. Gang members, robbers, and rapists that are getting caught coming into our country, not enough. we got to provide every tool in, in the book. So I'm going to oppose this bill, not because I don't support veterans who serve honorably, but because I don't support an administration that I can't trust. Thank you. And uh, this is really good by uh, Ted Cruz on the same subject. And then I think one of the very first priorities of the new Republican Congress should be to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Secretary of Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. He is responsible for this debacle. He, he, I, I recently saw a video of him at the Aspen Security Conference 
where he was asked, is the border secure? And like the whole crowd of leftists sipping Chardonnay, they all laughed. Oh, that's so funny. Ha, 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 ha. You know, I'm sorry. I don't think little girls being raped on our southern border is funny, you jackasses. Like, like, like it, it is infuriating to watch these liberals laugh. And he says the border is secure. It's a flat out lie. The reason I believe the House should impeach Mayorkas early next year is the Senate should conduct an impeachment trial. And it should be a detailed, extensive impeachment trial. We need to put the evidence of the horrors of the southern border before the American people because the corporate media doesn't want people to know. And I think we have a responsibility. Now, look, do I think Senate Democrats are going to vote to convict? No, I think they're political cowards. But I think laying out the facts before the American people in a trial early next year is incredibly important. And then I think... And the reason why that's so important is because these corporations that are controlled by BlackRock want that slave labor, and they'll do it at any expense because what has happened is the cartels and the fentanyl sellers, uh, they basically know that the border is opening up to appease corporate greed the corporations that are controlled by BlackRock and Vanguard, uh, they control the news media's narrative with their ad dollar investments in CNN and MSNBC and the like. So there's a promissory to pay to pay to play the narrative for the narrative. And if you want our money, you'll continue to spiel our message. Journalism be damned. And... And it comes at a price, and the price is uh, infections coming across the border, terrorist groups coming across the border like Chip Roy aligned, people dying, children uh, dying, all, all those people in those that, that truck died. All this death and destruction and despair is happening along the southern border. And if we could just shine a light on that, we could say to those, point our finger at those corporations saying, you're willing to have this happen so that you can get cheap labor, slave labor to work your fields, to work your farms, to work your meat packing plants, to work your dishwashers, to drive your Uber cars, to make you rich. And that's, that's what it's all about. They don't care about the humanity of things. They care about the greed and the profit. And we got to put a stop to it. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Also, if you're going to go over to mypillow.com, check out those mattresses. I have the coil mattress. I still love it. Um, and be sure to use Red State as your promo code over at mypillow.com. And I want to thank everybody. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye. Small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.